Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Peter, good morning. How are you, Eric? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I, I'm really excited. I mean, you sent me notes ahead of this call. You've got a guest on the show today, um, and, and I know it's, it's a, a topic that's near and dear to your heart. We're talking about, is our community okay? Uh, and this is something you and I've talked about before. I mean, charitable planning is the, the kind of the core of what you guys are discussing today. And I know it's a subject that's really important to both of us, both personally and professionally. Yeah, it, it really is. To, you know, to me, um, isn't everything we do about family and community? I, mm -hmm. I know that sounds a little trite, but but I really think it's true. You know, I think uh, we we both need to be loved and, and fulfilled at the same time. And, uh, and, and I know you feel exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we've done a, a number of podcasts that touch on planning for our community. Uh, just, just note that, you know, we did episode nine, which was, you know, a, a long ago. time ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're on 75, I think now, yeah. uh, which it, that talks about charitable planning as a win, win, win situation. Uh, Episode 60, we did it on a special needs family planning, which I, I think of it as, you know, giving and, and, uh, and helping. And then uh, most recently, more recently, we did, uh, we had a conversation with the CEO of, of a nonprofit called Volunteers of America, Massachusetts, Charles Gagnon. And uh, we, so we've done a number of, of, of podcasts about, about charity and philanthropy and but we've also done planning uh, topics on estate and tax planning, and all of these kind of come together. Mm -hmm. So so before we get into into the meat of this conversation, I, I think it's important for our listeners to just understand my approach to, to financial planning. Okay, a and it's and it's really centered around three simple but I think really big questions. Uh, and the first question is. Am I or in a couple, you know, are we okay? Are, can we meet all of our financial objectives? And, and, and if the answer is yes, and for many, many of our clients, the answer is yes, uh, it's important to, to move on to the second question, which is, is my family okay? Mm -hmm. You know, how about our kids, our parents, our siblings, you know, friends, et cetera, including friends in, in that family, uh, you know, discussion for, because for many it is, you know, are, are, are we, or am I helping them in ways that help them meet their objectives in, mm -hmm. in the way I, I see the world, you know, is it, is it happening? Like I, I want it to. And, and again, for, for many of our clients, um, the answer is, is yes, our family is going to be okay. And I, then I think it's, it, it, it behooves and is important for, for the planner, the professional advisor to, this, to these clients, our clients, should really ask a third question. And, and that question is, is my community okay? And, and what I mean by that is, is, the, is the world beyond our family, beyond our little bubble, okay? Or could it be better? Or do I want it to be better? 
And is it my objective to help others, whether it's in our town, our city, you know, our region, or or in our in in our cultural community, or maybe our religious community? You know, it it it, it it's people, um, it, it, places, you know, art, education, science, or animals, you know, whatever it is, we might want to benefit from our gifts of of our of our treasure and our talent or time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once we've satisfied our, our needs and wants, and once we've satisfied our family's needs and wants, you know, you know, how abundant do we feel? How, how abundant are, are, are our resources? Yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously all these things are very, very important, but for today's discussion, I can only assume that you're really focusing on that third question, which is, is my community okay? Yeah. Yeah, and, and then you know, what do you do with that? If once you've got an answer that's, uh, that says you want to be involved in 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 philanthropy to mm-hmm. help help your community, we're talking about excess resources. These are assets that 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 maybe your family doesn't necessarily need. You you want that to go beyond your family. So with that in mind, I wanted to to bring in a professional. I wanted to introduce our listeners to uh, Ken Nopar. He's the uh, senior philanthropic advisor at the American Endowment Foundation, which is uh, one of the country's uh, leading donor advised fund sponsors. And we've used them for many years for many of our clients. And for uh, just to give you a little intro about Ken, for 20 years, he manages his family's uh, 100-year-old business in Chicago, sold it in 2006. And I'd like to welcome Ken to the podcast, and I'm real excited you're here, Ken. Well, Peter, thanks very much. I'm very pleased to uh, to be here and have a good, robust discussion uh, about philanthropy, and glad to answer uh, any questions that you might have. Yeah. So, so my first question is, what brought you to this this interest or this field of philanthropy? Um, it, you know, it's a great question. I usually don't answer answer questions about myself, but it's a really good one because uh, when we sold our business and the only other business in the field that was older than ours was actually in Boston. So we were always number two at 105 years. And when it was time to sell the business, one of the reasons I did sell is uh, because I wanted to figure out a way in which I could give back. It wasn't a huge sale of a business but wanted to uh, get more involved in, in the work of helping others. My family's always been involved in the community. Uh, my brother's been a community organizer for 35 years. My wife was in development and fundraising and wanted to figure out how I could have the most impact. And that's uh, fortunate to be in a position where I could make that decision. And uh, so that's how I got involved back in 2008, I guess. So I've been doing this for a while at this point. And so you you were truly following your passion, uh, which is just wonderful. And I'm sure that has given you a lot of uh, a, a, a great sense of accomplishment that you've been able to do that. It, it really has. Ho- hopefully I've been able to uh, help more than one or two people over the years. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just, you know, it's, as I think you just said, it's a win, win, win. You know, it's certainly a win for the donors, win for the charities, and especially uh, when their donors, when the clients' advisors are involved, you know, it's really everybody benefits from the charitable conversation. 
Absolutely. So let's start off with some, you know, just basic questions. You know, what do you see kind of as the current trends in the charitable giving world? Well, it's, you know, I can speak for an hour about that, but I'll cut it to just a couple of minutes. All right. Sure. Uh, So, um, you know, there've been a number of trends and I think the biggest turning point was the recession of the 2008-2009, where in general, people would still be planful, but they often gave in response to a request. And so they became much more strategic with their giving, and that continues today. Uh, There's been a trend over the years, you know, back in the 1980s, 1990s, people would set up foundations, they set these up to give for the next, you know, 200 years. And people see the challenges that exist in society today. And they want to make an impact while they're still living. Many still want the giving to continue. uh, But there really has been a trend towards giving while living uh, at all levels, instead of just waiting until the end, and then having somebody else give it away for them. Um, so one of the big trends is there are actually fewer donors today than there were previously. And the giving has been concentrated more among the wealthy. So the dollars have increased. Some of the organizations that benefit from the small organizations, because some people may not be as um, confident in their financial ability, some of those organizations have been hurting a little bit. Some of the larger institutions have have benefited. Um, you know, just one example: religion. Thirty years ago, more than half of all the charitable dollars went to religious organizations. Today, it's down to twenty nine percent. And younger people are giving. You know, there are a lot of people making a lot of money, and they're not waiting until they're fifty or sixty or seventy to give. They're starting to give at an early age. Certainly. Uh, and the last point I'll make is over the last couple of years, what's been terrific is that people have really responded at all levels of wealth. And uh, they've seen the great need that exists because of the pandemic. And they've really stepped in. And there was a lot of concern at the beginning. But uh, I just saw an article today that last year giving was up 9%. Uh, Black Bud came out, which is really a terrific amount, a terrific increase. So, uh, people gave to social service organizations and those really in need. At this point, people are, they still continue to give the organizations they supported. Uh, but I hope that the, that giving pattern uh, continues uh, for the future here. That's so, it's so fascinating um, that, that there's been such a shift to being um, more strategic. And it, it sounds sometimes in, in some ways, maybe more entrepreneurial in, in, in their philanthropic uh, giving. I think you know, people are, you know, people are passionate about the organizations that they support. Yeah. And, um, you know, and they're, you know, it used to be a much more of a scattered approach. Some people do still have a scattered approach, uh, but by and large, they're um, concentrating on those causes that are most important to them at this point here. You know, um, over my 35 plus years in, in this business, I, I would say the vast majority of our clients are, are, are quite affluent. Uh, they've done well. They're good savers. Um, they're, 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 they're just regular people. They're, they're not the highest ultra wealthy individuals. Um, those are clients that we just, I don't pine for those clients. <laughs> you know? So our, our, our clients are affluent. They've done well. And um, I think back to what we do for them 
we're we're really process oriented. Um, we this is part of comprehensive planning. So you know we start with discovery, understanding goals, objectives, expenses, income, assets, all that risk tolerance. We analyze the data. We help clients meet their objectives, and we deal with specific strategies and concepts that help them get there. And and amongst our clients, I haven't seen. Um, the same sort of process on the philanthropic side. So I think while what you're seeing in general, the very wealthy are are more strategic. Um, the the affluent, my feeling is, is that they're less strategic. Um, they know they should give something to charity. They're thankful that they can they, they're getting that charitable deduction. Uh, but but I think they're missing something from from the perspectives of process and. I think it's it's so effective to start with the why, you know, why philanthropy, and and then from there move to the how and the when. And I've heard you talk about developing a, a, a philanthropic plan and mission. Uh, how how does a family set up a philanthropic process? Yeah, it's a great question, and your your point is well made. This is not there are philanthropists at all levels. You know, somebody who's a, a Bezos or a Be- Jeff Bezos or, or uh, uh, the Gates, um, they can, people at the level of your clients can feel the same or even a greater sense of satisfaction and accomplishment by giving it much smaller levels than the mega philanthropists. So I think the question is really the same. Um, you know, they may not have as much to give. But whether they're giving 5,000 or 50,000 or 500,000 or 500 million a year, you know, they can still feel this sense of accomplishment and purpose and mission and satisfaction and fulfillment. Um, I've run out of adjectives, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you understand what, what I'm saying. So, sure. you know, I think that, um, you know, regardless of how much people are giving, you know, in terms of the process, you know, I, I think that it's you know, prioritizing what's most important to them. You know, they can give $50 and they're all, you know, people are always going to give $50 to support somebody who's running in the Boston Marathon, you know, and that's on the side. It's not necessarily their, their mission of what they're doing, but having a plan, developing a mission um, can help them provide structure to what they're doing. And the other thing it, it does, Peter, is you know, people are always asking us, asking your clients uh, to support their organizations that they're part of. And by having a mission, it gives them the opportunity to say, no, thank you. It's called a bless and release. It's like, I love what you're doing. But what I do is I concentrate all of my energies, all of my funds, you know, in helping the homeless or, you know, raising funds for cancer research or whatever. And that makes it easier to say no. That's not to say people shouldn't give $50 to an organization to help somebody run the marathon, but it helps you know, lay the groundwork for success. And then they feel more in control of what they're, what they're doing and where they're giving. Yeah, I, I sit on, on a board um, with a fellow who, who always says, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm sitting on a board and I ask one of my fellow board, board members to make a gift to the charity that's most important to me, I, I'm basically uh, giving him the uh, permission to ask me to make the same gift to his charity. <laughs> Absolutely. Scratch my back and I'll scratch yours or whatever yeah, the expression but, is. But there's not, a, there's not a net gain, really. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> so I, I think I think you're right. It's it's uh, that's part of 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 concentrating, of being concentrating your philanthropy, is being able to um, be clear about what you want and and maybe what you don't want. Yeah, and that, that's not to say that somebody has to be so micro focused that they only give to one organization or two organizations. Sure, it, it's you know, but having having a mission at least helps you eliminate some of the things on the outside. Um, so you don't feel like you have to, like my mother used to do, open every solicitation envelope that would come to their house and then get on the list of, you know, that's shared with others. And, and uh, um, so hey, thrilled that my mom was such a love to support so many organizations. And over time, we did help her winnow those down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I often think, um, you know, if you're, if, your choice is to become a member of lots of organizations and, you know, a hundred dollars here, $200 there and, 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 and make, have, have be, be involved, but not necessarily really be impactful um, with your philanthropy. So if you're cross, if you're, if you're giving a hundred dollars to, um, you know, 20 organizations Uh, I think you have to question what's the impact versus giving one or two gifts to maybe a small organization that can really, where that'll make a big impact. Yeah, I I will say this, Peter, some organizations, and I I don't want to discourage people from giving to to many of these organizations, because some organizations get grants from larger foundations because they can show that we have 8,000 donors. Yeah. So, you know, it is important, you know, you might maybe you don't have to give to 50, uh, but narrow it down to, you know, 20. You don't have to narrow it down to two or three, um, but that's just one of the considerations too. It's wherever sure. you feel that sense of fulfillment and pride that you're getting. If you're giving to an organization, you never get a thank you. Um, you know, that's writing on the wall. And that's the reason why a lot of people stop giving to those organizations. Yeah, yeah that's a really good point. You know, one of the one of the most exciting things to, to me is is just that that concept of bringing your kids and and, and grandkids in, into this conversation and making this a, a family process. You know, it, I I see it bringing families together and gets people talking about what's important to them from a values perspective. You know, uh, like like a lot of things, uh, family values are passed on, and what better way to do this than to have that in conversation about what's important to each family member. And so could, could you talk about how a donor can get their family involved and, and what, what, what are some of the questions a, a family might ask their kids and grandkids? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, there's, uh, again, there are probably 50 questions that can be asked. And I think it's got to be a very natural type of discussion uh, where, you know, I've seen over the, over the years where sometimes it's, you know, the grandparents or the parents want to force their kids or their grandkids to be involved. And there's a time and a place for everything. Uh, sometimes younger people are not involved and then they rise to the top and they do become involved. So I think it's looking for the opportunity, the natural opportunities to have the conversation, whether that means it's over Thanksgiving when everybody's together, or maybe somebody has a summer home and you're all together. Um, but I think it's engaging at many different levels um, even when the children are young and, you know, trying to get them involved in some type of volunteer opportunity, you know, once or twice a year, because that demonstrates uh, that it's important to them. 
Um, but even, you know, discussing with the kids and, you know, making contributions on their behalf, you know, so that the kids, and I'm talking about younger kids, adult kids, they get the thank you letter that is sent to them. Uh, but having them research, you know, hey, instead of, and I'm not saying, you know, don't give them a birthday present, but in addition to, we're going to make a $100, a $500 contribution, and we'd like to do it to an organization that's important to you. And having them, instead of just throwing out a name, have them sort of present a plan, why it's important, do a little research, and then make that uh, donation on their behalf. But, you know, in general, and, you know, whether it's an annual discussion every couple years, you know, it's just natural. And I think by telling your the, the kids, the family members, that, they, that the parents want to engage them, they want their input. It's not just... You know, I've seen experiences where it goes wrong because the parents want to force their values on the kids and the kids rebel. Uh, but to engage them and to honor the children, because families, as you know, split up across the country and what might be important to in Boston, maybe their kids in San Francisco have different ideas. Um, so, you know, really asking them what, you know, why discussing why philanthropy is important to us as a family. You know, what does that enable us to do? How have we helped organizations? You know, which causes and charities are really the most important to each of us, get everybody to share. You know, really call these the who, what, why, when, where, how, and ultimately how much questions. You know, who wants to be involved? You know, maybe somebody just has no interest in that at a particular time. But, you know, why give to certain charities? Where should these charities, you know, where should they give? And how should they get involved? You know, should they volunteer as a family? And, um, you know, I think that's really um, very important uh, in terms of getting to know some of these charities as well. So those are, you know, some of the questions. Um, and the other thing is time frame. You know, do you want to give now? Do you want to give later on? Do you, you know, parents, maybe they're concerned about how much they have. What should happen at their death? You know, should they make a bequest to certain organizations at that time? So, so many questions. And, you know, again, this is a five-hour conversation that we're condensing here. Right. Uh, but those are just some of, the, some of the questions that certainly can be asked. Yeah, I think, I think it's such a rich conversation to have. You know, I think um, adult kids and younger kids, um, w once you have these discussions, really, you know, discussion... Be really takes hold. And, and they, I think there's a, a, a reality or a, an understanding of how grateful we, sh we are for all that we have. And, and then there's the, the empathy part, you know, if, if these discussions bring up the, the empathy that, that we should have for others, or at least I think many people do have for others. Yeah. And so I think it's a great, great conversation. Yeah. One, one additional point is I encourage people to have these conversations um, I always say, be the architect, not the rehabber. So, you know, with any type of discussion. So with these discussions, especially with older clients, perhaps, who have adult children, and they want to leave money to an organization. You know, I've seen it backfire where they leave money to an organization and they think, oh, this is great. And then the kids find out later and it's like, wait, they're leaving money to the, you know, wherever, to the church or the synagogue or to you know, a cancer organization, 
And they may perceive it as being less that they're leaving to them. But during lifetime, if the conversation happens, by the way, this is what we're going to do. Then the kids are totally supportive yeah. of what the parents are doing. Yeah, that's, it's, it's fascinating. So, so you talked a little bit about this. How does a donor uh, vet the charities that they want to make? And, and what, what are the best ways to, to work with these charities that, that you support? Absolutely. So, you know, obviously it's private prior experience. I mentioned earlier, you know, you always want to be thanked, even if you're just giving a hundred dollars or whether it's a thousand or 10,000 or whatever. But I think it's, you know, when you're giving at a certain level and that level I'm going to say is very vague. um, I think it's, I think the donors should have the confidence in knowing what their donation is accomplishing. Now, if they're going to give $100 or $200 or even $1,000, perhaps that doesn't warrant a meeting with the leadership of an organization. But I think that donors want to, just like with you, you're you're looking at different investments, Peter, and you want to make sure that these are well-founded firms and they're going to produce a nice return. I think that donors should have the ability to know what the uh, charity is accomplishing, you know, how many people they're, they're helping. So looking at their materials, looking to make sure that the information on their website is current and transparent, you know, their annual report, um, instead of going to a website and seeing, oh my gosh, everything's from six, seven years ago. Um, volunteering is a great way to get to know these organizations to you know, see what opportunities there are, meeting fellow donors or volunteers, maybe even getting to know some of the board members if they know, but look to see who the supporters of the organizations are. Is it the local United Way? Is it the local community foundation that's vetted the charity? You know, who's on the board? Are these community leaders that are uh, helping determine the future of the organization? So, you know, I think that that is how you know, some of the, some of the most important thing to look at when, and again, if you're giving a small charity, a small donation, you don't want to to ask the charity because they're all stretched at this point. You don't want to ask them for a report on what your thousand dollar donation would do. But if you're giving a significant amount, uh, engage them, talk with them, meet with them and find out, you know, how, what's the best support that you can provide to them as well. But getting to know them, talking with friends and family to see if they're involved in certain organizations and finding out why they're involved. You know, that way you can really give with confidence. And I think it's also can be very meaningful, uh, more meaningful when you have a, a, a direct personal um, connection to, a, to an organization, large or small, that makes it more meaningful. A- absolutely. Ken, what, what, what do you see are the reasons to work with a, a professional philanthropic advisor? You know, not every family is going to do that um, because you say they're, you know, some families feel comfortable giving that $100 a year to 20 charities or more. Um, but, 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 but other families um, might need some assistance in, in building this mission, uh, this mission statement or this strategy. So, so what resources are available to families? Sure. There are plenty um, in the local community, nationally as well. Um, I would say, and I and for the after I sold the business, I actually worked for a philanthropic advisory firm for three years, 
and helped uh, families plan their their giving. I would say that that the people who obviously they're the uh, billionaires that need help. They need a gatekeeper to sift through all the requests for donations. Uh, but you know, most of us are not at that at that level. And often, what I see when people there's a lot of information out there. Uh, there's information on our website, uh, which anybody's welcome to go to. It's uh, we put together a library for donors, uh, which has pieces on there um, about you know how to develop a mission as a as a family, how to get the kids involved. These things that we're talking about. Um, and so philanthropic advisors come into play often when there's some type of change in the family, uh, whether there's a large inheritance, whether somebody sells a business, and now they have time to give money away, but they're not really sure where to start, Peter. And you know, I'm sure that you and your clients have conversations uh, about this, but if somebody says, I need somebody uh, who's not going to be a wealth advisor, not an accountant, not a state planning attorney. I need somebody at the fourth leg of the table to help me get started, to really complement the work that you do. That's when these philanthropic advisory firms can come in. Their only mission is to help donors determine where to give. Um, and so it's usually at a higher level of wealth, uh, but there's a lot of content out, out there uh, to, to help donors uh, where they don't necessarily need to hire somebody, but if they're just stuck or they're transitioning from one generation to another, if there's any family discord about giving, you know, that's when these philanthropic advisories uh, firms can come in and help uh, clients. Yeah, I think um, what, what I'll do is um, we'll, we'll actually put some links onto, onto our website uh, to, to, your, to your website uh, so people can see what 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 kind of resources might be available? I think it's a to be really helpful. I've I've looked at those before, and uh, I think they're wonderful. Great. So thanks for mentioning that. You're welcome. You're welcome. You know, wh- and you touched on this a little bit. Uh, you know, one of the big dilemmas for a family is, is is when to give. You know, now or later, or or you know, while you're alive, while you're at, at death. Could could you share any more thoughts about that? Sure, glad glad to. When um, there's no wrong answer, you know, as long as people give, you know, when to give is up to the family and discussions with you, especially because before anything else, you need to make sure that everybody's personal needs are taken care of. Um, I remember when I was at the philanthropic advisory firm, there was a, I think she was 91 or 92 years old uh, lady who had uh, some money, not a ton of money. And she was referred to the firm and because she just didn't know where to give. And we had discussions with her. And in the end, it got to be too much. And in the end, she just told her advisor, you know what, you just give the money away. And the saddest part of it is had that conversation taken place 10 years or 20 years earlier, even five years earlier, let her give something so that she, even if she's leaving the money to an organization at the end of her life, and if I remember correctly, she didn't have any children, then at least she could feel that great sense of satisfaction. So, you know, we're seeing people give at all ages, all stages of lives. And, you know, getting the children involved younger, um, I think that sets the table so they start to volunteer 
And they, at whatever amount that they give, they're giving throughout and they're feeling this sense until they get to a certain level where they feel very comfortable in giving. So whether to give now, give later is really a personal decision. It's also a financial decision. But even if it's later, I strongly encourage people to at least do something now uh, instead of instead of at the end when they never have uh, been thanked properly or feel that sense of uh, satisfaction in giving. You know, uh, Ken, I'm, I'm so glad we, we, we talked about this because over the last, um, last few months, I've had a number of discussions with clients. We do this on an annual basis. So every year where we're updating the plan, we, we ask that third question, what, you know, is, is your community okay after we've satisfied the family and, 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 the, and the individuals? Um, and my experience is, is over time, though, that question begins to, begins to be understood and, and, and people take it to heart. Um, I had one fellow that because I asked that question and because we talked about some strategies for giving today, he made the decision to make some small gifts to his kids. And that made him feel really good. Now he didn't want, he didn't want to just wait. And he also, uh, he made some charitable uh, gifts uh, from his retirement account. And that made him feel really good. And when he, he got a note from one of the charities recently and he, and he, and he sent me a note and he was so thankful that we just had this discussion. <laughs> you know? sure. And it was, real, I'm, I'm, it made my heart, just glow. You know, I was so pleased that, that, that this, this, that we did this, not just this year, but the year before and the year before that, because sometimes it takes a whole bunch of conversations. Uh, and then another client um, uh, has, has engaged uh, his alma mater and has made, will make a significant gift uh, during his lifetime, but also at death, there's no He's, he's, he's a widower and, and, uh, and there are no children and, and, and heirs. So that's his decision. And he feels really good about it, that he's addressed that now. So I think it's so important to think about, about this while you're in good health, while you're, while you're um, engaged and, and, and make those decisions and have those conversations now versus later. You can make a gift later, but have sure. the conversation now. Yeah. And, and one last thing that I'll, I'll, I'll point out is that sometimes uh, uh, here in, uh, and I'm located in Chicago or national organization, but, you know, I remember that a uh, single woman and these days donors are all types. It's not just the couple with two kids and six grandchildren. You know, there are a lot of single donors, you know, divorced uh, donors, people with plenty of money that are giving money and don't have heirs to give it to. So at what point do you give it? And you know, I remember this uh, person gave to a, a local college, I think it was $8 million at her death. She lived very modestly, just saved her money. And you know, it was a complete shock to the university. And what I kept thinking is, I wish that she, somebody had shared with her that let the university know that this gift is coming so they could at least thank her during lifetime and know that, you know, hey, I'm spending it down, whatever comes to you. And then she's, uh, you know, maybe she didn't want any type of publicity, but at least she can be thanked, which, uh, you know, is so important and helps the university too. Because uh, if they are willing to be public in, in their giving, then, you know, she can be, she could have been uh, uh, helped lead others to that, uh, to that road as well. Yeah. And maybe she um, had 
some specific interests. Maybe it was scholarships, or maybe it was uh, a specific school, or uh, you know, uh, that that she could have possibly earmarked some of those uh, those gifts too. Um, so yeah, I think again, have the conversation now, <laughs> and I think everyone will benefit. Yeah, absolutely. Ken, this has been fascinating, and I, I just love talking about this. Um, I, I'm I'm so pleased that that you were willing to share uh, with our listeners your your thoughts about philanthropy and giving. Um, and it, before we end, could you give us a little bit more uh, information about the American Endowment Foundation, which is your organization, and, and what makes your organization a little bit different, and and how does a donor work with your firm? Sure. A- a- absolutely. I'd be glad to. And, and thanks for the uh, 12 seconds you're giving me here for the advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are a, uh, so AEF is a uh, national donor advice fund. Uh, and as such, we are a nonprofit organization. And our only mission is to help our donors and the advisors that they work with. So uh, we have 12,000 donors across the country. And essentially what people do because we are a charity, um, and there are a million donor advised fund accounts across the country these days. 12 years ago, there were 150,000. So this is really the boom time for donor advised funds. If you, in a sense, we're like a private foundation without the administrative burden. So people at really many different levels at wealth, this is not just for uh, you know the, the billionaires, it's for people with uh, even modest amounts of, of wealth, uh, where they contribute to AEF or to a donor advised fund. The, they get a full tax deduction at that time. And then over time, they make grants from the amounts at the donor advised fund to their favorite charities. They just go online and send it. So they get one tax receipt uh, each year that they contribute to their donor advised fund. And then they send out however many grants to their favorite charities. So the money in the account grows tax-free. And we're a little bit different. You know, Fidelity Charitable is the biggest in the, in the world. Schwab, Vanguard are three very big donor-advised fund uh, sponsors. Uh, AEF is very independent. So we don't offer any investments ourselves. And our donors, financial advisors, manage the investments in the accounts uh, at any amount. So it continues to grow and they make grants to their favorite charity. So it's very simple. It's um, tax efficient and uh, the popularity is, is uh, continuing to boom. And the, the best thing is, you know, last year, uh, when uh, the last two years, when the need has been so great that our donors have increased uh, their grants to, fa- to their favorite charities, by 30 and 50%. Wow. So, so these are active accounts. Uh, people put them in there, they want them to grow, uh, but they also want to make grants as well. So, you know, our goal is, you know, our mission is to help charities, you know, here and around the world. And, uh, and we have wonderful donors and wonderful advisors that they work with as well. Well, our experience is that your, your firm is um, wonderful to work with, very easy, um, help help our our our, our clients, uh, you know, meet their charitable needs. Um, I I think about donor advised funds as just another uh, arrow in our quiver. It's just another strategy that can be used to meet help meet a, f- a family's objectives, whether 
tax planning or philanthropy, um, but it's just an it's an important tool. And uh, I, I I really appreciate the work your firm does, and and thankful that you're there as a resource for us. Well, thank you. I'm glad glad to be here. And the, the other thing, you know, we have so many different types of donors. I'd say the last trend that we're seeing is that many people who are still working, you know, maybe they're five, 10, 15 years from retirement, they're donating while their income is high during those years. Again, the money is there and they make grants from it, but it builds up so that during retirement, they're able to continue to make grants from the donor advised fund instead of having to dig into their pocket to uh, send money to charity. So that's one, been one of the biggest trends that we've seen uh, lately here. Yeah, that's great. Well, I, 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 I will say this, that um, if, if any of our listeners have questions about donor advised funds, um, please uh, you know, reach out to us. We're happy to, uh, to answer questions. And if, if it's appropriate, we can uh, make a connection uh, with our clients and the American Endowment Foundation or, or other donor advised funds as well. Um, so, I, Ken, thank you so much for this really interesting and, and I think very helpful uh, conversation about philanthropy and how how important it can be for a family. And um, I'm hopeful that uh, this raises the uh, hel- helps raise the bar, and 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 many of our listeners will will start giving more because <laughs> it feels good. It's a win win win. <laughs> It, it is. Well, Peter, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And and uh, and feel free to, you know, go on to our website. You can refer everybody, but there's a library for donors to help people think through some of these uh, matters that they may be considering here. Great. Thanks, Ken. All right. Thanks, Peter. Gentlemen, this has been fantastic. Uh, love the conversation. Love learning more, Ken, about your organization and what you do. So thank you so much for being a great guest on the show. And of course, Peter, thank you so much for bringing Ken on and, and in- introducing the audience to him and his organization. And again, giving them a, giving them a lot to think about uh, with the strategies with the Donor Advised Fund. And of course, our last thank you goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. 
Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.